Hello everyone and welcome to One Control Port Podcast, episode 150. Benjamin Yoder here today with not a special episode, just just a normal episode of me talking about the games I've been playing and and uh, also some news stories in relation. But you know what? When we hit this landmark, I guess this is a good time to say uh, if you've been sticking around, thanks. I appreciate it. Uh, I realize there's a lot of people who say their opinions on the internet about video games, and I'm just another drop in the bucket and if you you spend the time listening to me ramble and and, and struggle to feel, figure out my feelings about the games that I like then I I appreciate you you know taking the time to listen to me um I know I've got some some weird tastes and have weird priorities with games that don't really you know apply to a lot of people at times but I I appreciate you that you have an interest in in whatever I'm doing so Thanks for thanks for sticking around. That's that sounds kind of disingenuous, but I do really appreciate it. I'm maybe not the best person at uh thanking people or or taking compliments and things like that too. So, but yeah, again, thank you. Um, so to talk about the stuff I've been playing this week, uh, I went ahead and started up Surprise Tobadasu, the Magic Pen. I picked this game up while I was in Japan for the Nintendo 3DS. Uh, it was pretty cheap. I'm pretty sure it was just like a couple of bucks or like a you know few hundred yen at most. Um, and it, we played a little bit of this on the, the Nintendo 3DS stream a while ago. But basically, it's just a uh, a fancy coloring book in some ways. You're this little... I don't know if she's like a witch. She's got like a little witch cap looking thing on. Uh, but she has this uh, magic pen. She walks around uh, this initially kind of flat empty space that she eventually will like draws life onto she like creates uh trees and flowers and and things like that and and as she she builds up this island essentially people i don't know if they are already there or if they come into existence as she creates these objects but uh but she she draws uh these environments and there's, there's people in them and they draw things to those people um you know being in japanese i don't really know what's going on story-wise uh but you know it seems like it's very much aimed at kids so i'm guessing it's a a fairly straightforward plot uh a lot of it seems based around people wanting to have some food can't tell you how many times i saw people talking about tomatoes in there <laughs> um and then also there's just like other things where one girl is like talking about the constellation so you like draw the constellation the sky things like that so so while it is kind of like a story focused drawing game it i would assume you know not knowing japanese uh that is probably nothing particularly deep just kind of like a an excuse to go through a series of actions uh you do kind of like um so basically how the drawing works is you're not really free form drawing things you you basically connect the dots and they have like a preset uh uh template that you're working off of and then once you've connected all the dots you go ahead and color in uh different sections of the drawing and then depending on how much you get in the lines and how much you get out of the lines you have to kind of touch it up until the game you know you meet the right right percentage for the game to be like okay cool you did this well enough and then it will like basically complete that colored portion of the picture. There's no real customization here. Uh, it, it, it is very strict on like, hey, you're going to use this color to color in this part of this this butterfly. Um, so so there's no real creativity. It is a hundred percent kind of just coloring book, but even less so. Um, 
and you know it's 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 kind of cute up front if it has kind of animal crossing vibes in some ways as you kind of build things to this town uh you know you you draw into existence a, a saw which then one of the guys uses on the island to cut down all the trees in a certain area uh you can also like create uh entire buildings so you build your house you build furniture and things like that but it's all incredibly scripted so basically you just walk around this small map that kind of expands over time as you draw new things and and you just find whoever's looking to get something drawn for them and then you draw it for them and then you go run off and draw for somebody else very simple game i would say you know there's there's not a lot to it really it kind of feels like um if you took a single cooking mama game and then like put it across an entire video game uh i've put about three or four hours into it so far and uh it hasn't really changed that much sometimes there's some more advanced shading going on where it's like hey you need to color this section two different colors or something like that or there'll just be a lot of more finer uh places to kind of draw into so it's a little more challenging but there's there's no scoring system in the base game at all really so as long as you eventually fill in those those lines you'll eventually get a completed picture which will finish the quest there was another save file on there. I think it's somebody who has basically 100% of the game at this point. And um, that save file did have like challenge drawings where you'd get like different uh, scores depending on how, I guess, how well you fill in the, the lines. I'm not really sure quite how the game is judging, you know, how, how you're drawing. But, you know, given the, the simplicity of the game, I, I really don't imagine that'd be particularly satisfying i think their save file said they spent like five and a half hours on the game so you know it's somewhat lengthy for such a simple mechanic i think i will try to finish it off i think i'm about halfway through um but you know whether you should play it eh, i just think it's fun that it exists maybe not something you have to actually look at yourself one thing I also wanted to follow up on was Ruby Grim Eclipse, uh, in continuing the trend of me <laughs> playing video games based off IP that I have no experience with. Uh, me and my friends, I, I I'm pretty sure I talked about this a few weeks ago, me and my friends played through uh, Ruby Gl Grim Eclipse, and we played through the, the story mode, and it was, it's, it's fine, it's, it's kind of like a, a hack and slash game. Um, you just kind of have some simple combos where you, you know, basically, you know, press the attack button and then occasionally, you know, depending on where you interrupt the combo, you can press like a hard attack button, which will then give you a different hard attack to, to finish the combo off with. And uh, there's some basic leveling systems and things like that and a variety of like, well, in the base game, there's four characters and they all play pretty differently. Um, and it's, it's pretty satisfying to play. It's a, it's a budget game and a janky game, but like it's just good enough that I think it's, it feels pretty good to play. There's some interesting mechanics there with like setting up team attacks. So the other players can basically come in and like instantly kill certain enemies. Uh, there's like these different AOE and combo moves and things like that and different status effects you can apply on enemies like freezing and things like that. Again, pretty simple stuff for the most part, but it's only a three hour long game typically. Um, and you know, if you're playing it single player, I'd imagine it's probably not nearly as fun, but in a multiplayer context as something you just play while you're chatting or something like that, I think it, it perfectly works in that, that, uh, scenario, but we did finally play the, I think it's called Juniper or something like that DLC content. And my expectations for that content is about five bucks and you get four additional characters. My expectation was, is that their campaign would be probably the same, but with a different story. Uh, but the story is literally exactly the same. So really what you're buying in that DLC 
as the four extra characters. Um, but they all they all play very differently from the main cast as well. So you know, if you're gonna spend time with that game, I think it's worth looking at them. Uh, I ended up playing as Blake in the original story, and as well as Nora. So Blake kind of has like daggers and the ability to do. She's kind of roguish, I guess you can say in some ways. And then Nora has basically like a big hammer she can slam around and stuff like that. But it, it was fairly fun. There's also like a horde mode in it where you can basically set up turrets and defend different points. Um, there were some UI issues, like not really showing you the full map, so it was hard to tell like what points were being attacked unless something was actually attacking the base. But, you know, if you set up turrets around something, um, you know, then if the turrets are getting attacked, you don't really know. So, so it can be hard to find where enemies are in that mode. But it generally works well, and if you're playing in multiplayer, you're, you're usually having somebody at each location defending it. So there is a lot of communication happening. Uh, between your teammates that kind of fill in those blanks but it, it was pretty fun you know it, it's maybe a little pricey for the $20 asking price and then I think it's like $22 with the DLC uh, I paid $25 because I bought the DLC separately <laughs> um, um, so it's a little it's a little steep uh, in terms of that price but I think it's generally fun and if you're looking for like a cooperative multiplayer game that you can just play through entirely with with other people I think it's a really good fit for that um, sometimes you end up with games like, you know, Tokiden 2, which I love Tokiden 2, but you have to play through the story mode by yourself. So there's kind of like this, this homework aspect that comes into play with a game like that, where you have to kind of go do your own stuff, then come back to play the multiplayer where in, uh, where in this case, and like in cases like God Eater, um, it's nice to be able to just play through the entire campaign, uh, with other people and not have to worry about, you know, what we can and can't do together. It also has, like, just the right amount of jank, too. There's a lot of weird stuff in the game. Like, you can kind of get yourself into some weird spots if you abuse the collision in the right ways. And then also, like, some of the attack animations don't finish correctly with certain button combinations. So you can, like, do really fast dashing if you're putting in some, like, crazy amount of button inputs as you're moving forward. And is it worth the extra speed? Absolutely not, but it's fun to do. Um, and Nora has this weird little glitch where she, like, floats around on her hammer if you if you interrupt her ground pound in a certain way. And it's, it's a fun, fun little thing. Also, quick side note in games that I have no business playing, I actually did play a short visual novel, uh, a fan game for the, the Shaman King series called Fairy Tale for ne Nesmies. I don't know if that's how you pronounce that. If you don't know my relationship with uh, Shaman King, it starts and ends with the Masters of Spirits GBA games. So, like, storytelling, not exactly the strong suit of those games. It was more more concerned about being a, a Castlevania game than, than anything. But the visual novel was short, and it was made by uh, Cargoden, a fellow Tokadol fan. So I gave it a look, even though I really don't know any of the characters. But hey, at least it was in English. I could probably say I understood more in this case than playing like the 24th District of Tokyo or something like that. But if for some reason you like Shaman King, yeah, go check it out. I'll link it in the, the post. And then finally, I'm still playing Xenoblade Chronicles X. I put in a good chunk of time since last time, but I really don't have too much to add at this point. I think that game's pretty much just going to go how it goes. Don't have my scale yet at the moment, but... But I'll get there. And then I did uh, finally unlock terraforming in Animal Crossing New Leaf. And so if you don't know what my goal with Animal Crossing New Leaf is, is to basically recreate a, a town called Selbina from Final Fantasy XI and a portion of my town, essentially. Um, so, so you know, being a desert island, I was like, hey, it might be cool to make it like, you know, a good chunk of this island sandy in a way that, that Selbina is in Final Fantasy XI. So I started building that out. Um, and man, that game... 
uh, Animal Crossing New Leaf is very tedious when it comes to making massive changes to your environment. Um, unlike the you know house building aspect where you can go into like an editing mode, when you're when you're making changes to your island, you cannot do that. So you have to manually go and shovel out each individual square of a river. You have to manually go apply each individual square of sand and and all of this stuff and it's it's very um time consuming and tiresome and you know as you're sitting there and editing things there's also things you have to be run into um in terms of like you know if a house is in the way of what you're trying to build you have to pay fifty thousand bells to move it wait till the next day till it moves so there's it's just a kind of a long process for you to kind of customize these areas and then at that point there's also some finickiness in terms of what you can do with that customization. So for example, my plan was to have my town hall essentially, or residential services, I believe it's called, on a, a second floor level. So it wouldn't be on the ground level. Uh, but you can't move residential services. That is the one building, as far as I can tell, the one building you cannot move. So it's just stuck where it is. And it's like right smack dab in a place that I want to customize my town at. So it's like, well, now I just have to kind of not do what I was planning to do originally and work around that. Um, and then there's other things like uh, the, the spacing between where you can put a bridge uh, doesn't line up with the spacing of which you can kind of cut the environment. So you can end up in, in scenarios where you build a space that you want something to be, but because of how the grid works for placing bridges or inclines or buildings, um, you, you it can be off-center in a way that you have to go and kind of redo your landscaping to make work. Um, and it's just, and this is like an ongoing issue with New Leaf, or sorry, New Horizon. I think I've been saying New, New Leaf. The ongoing issue with New Horizons I've had is um, just there's a lot of little UI things here and there, little things that are just not very player friendly. Things like during the Easter event, you could switch eggs. So if you have you're collecting a bunch of eggs, and if you're missing, like for example, I was missing sky eggs, which are eggs that came from the sky. I only had like four of them, where I had like 60 eggs that came from stone. So you could train change those eggs to be sky eggs. So you trade three three stone eggs for one sky egg. But instead of being able to like trade in an amount of stone eggs, you have to trade in each three stone eggs separately for each sky egg. So you can't just like all at once trade in 27 stone eggs to get nine sky eggs. And then you have to go through the dialogue sequence every single time with this bunny character, Zipper. And it's just a lot of things like that that are just really dragging that game down. Um, it, it's a shame because I do really think the crafting stuff in that game is very cool. Um, and, and the ability to, to manage your town is very cool, but it, it definitely feels like the game, there's always some kind of hook of like, Hey, this is going to annoy you while you do this. Now in saying that, you know, I think Animal Crossing New Horizons is a great game and I'm not saying or saying that, you know, they, they bungled it and screwed it up. I think they, they were successful in not only appealing to me, but also appealing to the, the standard Animal Crossing fan. But it seems like there's very much things they need to to work on. Um, and, you know, I, I think at this point, I might go ahead and put Animal Crossing down for now and kind of watch to see what patches roll out. Um, you know, I don't think the things like the grid spacing stuff will change, uh, but I would hope that maybe there's like a, a, a editor mode for the island that will come to come to be. And then I can go and make Selbina a lot easier than sitting there and having to mark every single square of sand. But again, I think that game is very good. It's just a lot of little things like that that really build up. And for a game that's kind of about the little things, 
um, you know, interacting with all those different little, little inconveniences at times can get really, really frustrating. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna think I'm gonna sit on it for a while. I think I've put enough time into it at this point that I feel satisfied with the, with my experience at this point going with that game. Um, but I probably won't complete that, consider that my time with that game completely done until I build Selbina with or without that editor mode. Um, or at least attempt to build Selbina. You know, if it gets to the point that it's nearly impossible, then, <laughs> then whatever, you know. Um, but I think I'll step away from it for now. That's kind of part of why I played Magic Pen was because I wanted to play something a little mindless. Uh, but at the same time, I also didn't want to play Animal Crossing because I, I feel pretty good about it right now and my feelings on it. So I think this will be the last time you hear from me about Animal Crossing for a while. Um, but again, I think it's a fun game. It's just a lot of little things that get in the way. Jumping into the news stories here, just a handful of things. Uh, one is, uh, I saw that review copies of the Polymega started going around. If you don't know, the Polymega is a software emulations machine, uh, similar to like a Retron 5 or something like that, where you can play a bunch of different consoles on one device. And, you know, it emulates it, upscales it, puts it into HDMI out, so you don't have to worry about things like converting analog signals for your digital display, things like that. So this is a console that I've been slightly interested in because I am actually missing a large portion of the platforms it supports. Things like the PC Engine, PC Engine CD, uh, Sega Saturn, um, uh, Super Nintendo Genesis. I don't have those platforms. Um, but, you know, being software emulation, I, I, I was pretty much expecting that there would be problems. Um, I didn't look at a ton of coverage of it, but I did at the very least, um, you know, look at Modern Vintage Gamer's uh, a video about it. If you don't know, he's like a YouTube channel that talks a lot about uh, like security uh, systems of consoles and, and you know, how people cracked it and things like that. And a lot of, uh, you know, homebrew software for platforms and things like that. Um, it's, it's an interesting channel. I don't follow it too closely, but it's gotten pretty popular, I think, over the last handful of years. Um, anyway, so he did a, a review of it, basically, and it looked about to be what I expect. Like, the big games you would expect to work, expect. Um, but then once you start getting into, like, some of the more, you know, darker nook and crannies of the platform, finding titles that, you know, particularly have struggled with emulators and things like that, um, you know, it, it does start to become problematic in some of those cases. But that's kind of the nature of emulation in general. Uh, but I think, you know, I'm not super technically minded, but I think in the case of software emulation, uh, extra so in that case. Um, but, you know, you have to think about, for, for me at least, it's very much a value thing. Yes, I would love to be running a PC Engine CD on original hardware and upscaling that and capturing it that way. But am I willing to spend the four to $500 to do that <laughs> or, or get a Polymega for, you know, about the same price, but then, you know, expand the amount of libraries I can look at. I can finally more reasonably look at Super Nintendo games and Genesis games and things like that because I'm missing those platforms. Um, and so, you know, the, the value proposition definitely is, is nicer. Uh, but you know, when I'm making videos of these things, I, I try to want to be as accurate as possible when I'm talking about these games and emulators, you know, whether they're accurate or not, um, often just introduce a sense of uncertainty I have about a game and, and my, my experience with it. So it makes it harder for me to feel confident in, in the things I'm discussing about a game. Um, one of the greatest examples I can think of that, you know, isn't a big deal, uh, but Thousand Arms for the PS1, if you play it on a PlayStation 2, or at least the model PlayStation 2 I have, the sound gets really messed up sometimes. And and so, you know, it's just kind of the nature of playing these on platforms they weren't really built for. But even the PlayStation 2, that's official backwards compatibility. So, you know, on paper, it seems like a safer thing, but you run into things like that. 
Uh, you run into things like Alice in Cyberland, where the karaoke segment for one character in particular runs like 10 times faster than it should. <laughs> um, so, so yeah. I don't think I'll end up getting it, but, you know, it's a nice option to have if, if I ever become desperate enough. Uh, the only real PC Engine CD game I really want to get around to trying out, um, or playing through entirely, rather, is uh, Private Idol. I really enjoyed the time I spent with Private Idol on emulator. And, you know, if I can find a way to run that game in a more reasonable fashion, you know, straight off the disc, preferably, um, I would love to do that. But the four to five hundred dollars I have to spend probably maybe not four to five hundred, but, you know, it would be hundreds of dollars <laughs> I'd have to spend to, to do that is uh, maybe not worth it until I can figure out like a greater library of titles, uh, especially when I have a PCFX that I haven't really fully utilized. <laughs> Onichambara, uh, Origins of the Game, that I've definitely been looking at for a while is something I want to check out. Uh, I've talked about it uh, a handful of times in the past, and I'm, I'm sure for the most part it's pay probably just like a straightforward action, you know, hack and slash kind of game. Uh, but after playing through Schoolgirl Zombie Hunters a while ago on the PS4, I've, I've definitely had a, like, increased interest in in the uh, the series, and I've been wanting to jump into it at some point. And I might do so with Origins. Um, I don't think the official localization has been announced yet, but there were like trophies, I think, that appeared on the English PlayStation Store for the game. Um, but one thing that I uh, that I am finding, and, and maybe I could be wrong about this, but one thing I am finding about uh, Onichambara Origins that's, that's appealing to me is that a lot of the outfits in the game are surprisingly cute. Let me, let me take that back a little bit. The DLC outfits, I should say. So a lot of the DLC outfits in the game are surprisingly cute. Um, and, and, you know, it's always this weird, weird thing. If you go back and look at like Onichambara Z and like Schoolgirls Zombie Hunters and like the outfits they have in those kind of games, um, there's definitely, you know, the, the typical schoolgirl outfits and, uh, you know, the bikini wear, I think it's called like bikini zombie hunters initially, you know? Um, so it's definitely, you know, attending to be the sexy kind of, kind of outfits and, and opting more for skin rather than, uh, you know, uh, fashionable flair, I guess you could call it. Um, but I think, I think because of the whole situation with, uh, Sony and, and them wanting to, you know, limit the amount of, uh, I guess you could say, uh, partial nudity. Is that, would that even be right? And there's not really, I don't know if partial nudity identifies it as having, you know, actual, you know, nipples or something exposed or something like that. But, you know, but the, the, the skin heavy designs. <laughs> um, um, so I, I, I would imagine Sony, uh, it definitely has had an impact on this game. You know, you're not seeing at least so far as, as far as I know, you're not seeing like the strawberry and banana outfit in this game that you saw in like Onichambara, uh, Z2 or something like that from the game before. Um, and so, you know, I'm definitely somebody who's like, Hey, I don't really like it when, you know, somebody comes in and strong arms a company to not make what they want. But at the same time, and I had the same problem with Bravely Default, where it's like, I, I like, I like women's clothes that typically have more fabric and stuff. Uh, cause I think it's more interesting or at least more unique because skin is so heavily used in women's clothing already. Um, so, you know, in seeing the new outfits, I, I very much like all the outfits they've showed so far. Um, you know, they definitely still have, have quite a bit of skin that they're showing, but they're de definitely more, they definitely have like more coverage going on and stuff, but I find those outfits to be like more cute and more appealing overall. One of the outfits has a beret, which I have a really a soft spot for berets in games, at least. Not sure how I feel about real berets in real life, but in the video game adaptation of berets, uh, I very much like. So so I'm always on this like weird, weird fence where it's like, yes, I don't want you to cover up these things in my game, but also 
I like the covered up outfits more. So, so I'm, I'm honestly more interested in this DLC than I would be like a strawberry and banana DLC, uh, significantly more so. Um, so, you know, I, I, I am excited to see the kind of outfits they're adding to this game. It's something that I was disappointed with, with Schoolgirl Zombie Hunters, where like even the, the DLC outfits and stuff just weren't that appealing. And there weren't a lot of them either. Um, and, and they just kind of were, you know, a little underwhelming, you know, they're either, were just like, Hey, here's a schoolgirl swimsuit or here's, here's the bikini or here's the Orichamba girl bikini and things like that. Um, so seeing a greater diversity of clothes in this game uh, definitely is appealing to me. And finally, the last story I have here is a quick follow-up to, I think, two weeks ago, where we talked a little bit about G-Mode bringing some of their cell phone games to the Switch. And apparently, uh, those have been delayed, with the exception of the first game, because uh, the uh, COVID-19 coronavirus stuff uh, basically shutting down the rating system in Japan, so the new games can't get proper ratings at this time. Uh, so they basically have put those on hold. But uh, one thing that I thought... Uh, was maybe slightly worth bringing up, which really it's kind of it's kind of a nothing statement, but I want to believe um, is uh, that they did say that if they if they do end up um, you know those cell phone games do end up selling well, uh, a they'll look at their own library and and you know try to bring stuff out, but b they said they also would start working with other publishers and starting to bring out their cell phone games on the Switch as well, which I think that latter you know bit there is probably the more more in- interesting thing of you know what could end up coming into play i'm gonna guess most people don't really care about like g modes output so much but if you could get like square enix involved or something like that bringing in some of those like mobile final fantasy games and stuff that are kind of lost to time uh that would be that'd be pretty fun um you know other other companies well i think capcom had a bunch of like Mega Man games for mobile phone as well so that'd be a really cool way to, to bring that kind of stuff back but that's that is wishful thinking at this point i honestly don't think these games will sell very well i would be surprised if we see more but um you know i don't know how much you know cost or work they're putting into them or something like that what i'm really saying is that somebody needs to bring back the nokia final fantasy 7 dirge Cerberus mobile game Qu- quality releases is what i demand third person shooters made for a dial pad <laughs> i think it actually was a first person shooter not a not a third person shooter probably would have been too hard to render vincent for a particularly long time but who can say i really would like to see more of that i don't know how much of it is out there i know for a while uh Shademp, who does a lot of final fantasy 7 research uh dirge of cerberus research as well um was looking for for some mobile gameplay of that that game but unfortunately i think the problem is is that it actually requires a a network connection to work so uh you have to have a already have it downloaded and then b connect to some server and i don't know if that server is even in place anymore i think he was trying to get footage of it right before the servers were being shut down so so yeah but i can believe the more the more cell phone games that are preserved the better because they're not really i don't know they're kind of hard to find i tried looking into playing the nokia uh uh guard port once and and i was not able to figure out the the combination of things i need for that and then finding a website that was definitely not just like full of malicious software (laughs) where i could download that jack and guard uh uh mobile port and what a game to play i'm sure it's fantastic the new this the new hidden gem of the 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 yoko taro uh (laughs) series i'm sure it's it's complete garbage but that's fine it's probably fine don't listen to me. <laughs> Anyways, that's it for this week. Thanks for coming. OneControlPort.com is the website. Like I said earlier, thanks a bunch if you've been sticking around for the last 150 episodes. I, I really do appreciate it. 
Um, one thing that I have been trying to do, and this is less for people to listen to the podcast. So if you're listening to this, probably not super appealing, but I figured I'd go ahead and let you know it's something that I am doing. I, I went ahead and opened up a One Control Report Twitter account. Unfortunately, the, the character limit for a Twitter name is uh, is like one or two characters too long for One Control Report. So it is One Control Report at One Control Report, <laughs> um, unfortunately. So I don't know. Unless something else uh, makes more sense, that's what we'll stick with for, for right now. Uh, at least somebody else doesn't have it. Um, maybe we'll expand it one day. I doubt it. Um, but yeah, so so I have that up. And what I'm doing with it right now is I'm basically taking clips from the podcast about particular topics, editing some footage to it, and then uh, making it about two minutes long, which is basically two minutes and 20 seconds is the length of a, a Twitter video. Um, and, and trying to make short little breakouts from the podcasts uh, along with some gameplay of those breakouts and then seeing if that helps. Because I think a lot of people that do follow me don't listen to the podcast because it is 20, 30 minutes of me rambling about things that may not be relevant to them, um, which I think is perfectly fine. This is not exactly a curated show here. It is purely like I'm doing this every week no matter what, as as was shown by last week where I made a show what I probably shouldn't have, but it's fine. Um, so, so yeah, that is, uh, that is, that is happening at the second. I don't really know what the full implementation of the, the Twitter account is going to look like at this time. Uh, but I'll go ahead and link it in the description if you do want to follow it. Um, and we'll go ahead and, and figure out what use it's going to have for now, because most of my followers are all of my followers are on my personal, uh, Twitter. I will continue to post stuff there. Um, and, and figure out you know the best way to implement it, things like that. In terms of upcoming content, uh, this week we have a Gabriella's Ghostly Groove quick play coming up. Um, so that's going up on Wednesday. And then after that, I have a Pen Pen Triathlon quick play going up uh, the week after. So so that's the stuff that's coming up. Then last week we had the pickups video that I put out. Like I said last week, the video is a little too zoomed in, but you do get to see the full game package during the video. Um, but, you know. Sorry about that. Um, um, so if you want to see me ramble on about like the the ten or so games I've purchased between December and you know last week or whatever, and then also you know not including the stuff from Japan because that's way too much stuff, uh, you can see me ramble about it there. Talk about it a little bit. I cut some gameplay into those videos so you can get a little bit of my impressions of those games as well. Try to put at least thirty minutes into them uh, before I talk about them on that segment. Otherwise. Thank you again for coming. OneControlReport.com is the, the website. Um, again, I stream every Thursday at 7 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, we're currently still streaming Left Alive. I think we'll finish in the next uh, stream or two. We'll finish that game up. And then I think we'll probably play The Bouncer for a little bit because that will only take like one, one stream or half a stream. And then we'll go ahead and hop into uh, Lady Cops for the PCFX. So... So I need to start setting that stuff up and do a little bit of research on those to, to make sure we're we're good to go on uh, on starting that game. But that's it for this week. Thanks for coming. I hope you have a great week. Bye.